Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're super excited to have you guys here with us today. And what we wanted to address today is bad psychological advice or trends or bad takes in psychology. Now, before we get into that, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, please click the link in the description below, and that'll take you to our group. We want to build a community there where we can be supportive and we can educate, and then also get feedback from you guys about stuff that you'd like to hear about in the future. So today we are going to talk about bad psychological advice you've gotten, or kind of that pop culture advice that seems to make sense and seems like the right thing to do or say, but it's not always as it seems. And we would love to hear over in the Facebook group. We'll do a post on it. But if you can tell us what is some just bad psychological advice or life advice that you've experienced that maybe even had good intentions behind it, but wasn't helpful for you at that time. Because a lot of what we'll talk about today and in the next couple of episodes may have merit to it at certain times, but there are also times where it doesn't apply And it's more hurtful than it is helpful. And I know this happens a lot when people are grieving, that people with the greatest and the best intentions will say something to try and cheer the other person up, but it is not helpful at all. And it's really hurtful. And for a while, we ran a grief group and I ran different groups separately. But some of the things that people said were appalling. And sometimes it's more like, oh, you know, minimizing their experience. Oh, I've experienced that before. Or maybe somebody just lost a child and someone says, oh, you know, I know exactly how you feel. My dog that I've had for so long since I was a child just passed away too. And that can be so hurtful. Or I've had other clients who have experienced the loss of a child and other people will tell them, oh, you're young enough, you can have more children, which totally diminishes and takes away from the loss that they've experienced. And so those are just examples for those who have experienced grief. And I'm sure there's so many out there who have had things said to them that have been really hurtful. And all of that is given with hopefully the best intentions, right, to help and to relate. But it doesn't end up that way. So the things that we're talking about today are just in general, like life advice, psychological advice, things that you've experienced. And so even though the intentions are good, We're going to unpack some of that today. So please jump over to the Facebook group. And in that post that we do, we would love to hear in the comments just what are some of the things you've experienced that wasn't the best advice and maybe even was harmful at times. 
So the first thing we're going to talk about is this idea of just get over it. Now, this isn't normally something I think a lot of people tell other people, but this is definitely something that a lot of people tell themselves. And especially when I'm doing trauma work with people, this is something that I hear very frequently come out of people's mouths where they say something like, man, it happened so long ago. Why can't I just get over it? Why is this still bothering me? And the reason why you can't get over it is because your brain has learned an unhealthy or bad lesson from it. I also tell people all the time when they say something like that is that if it were just that easy to just get over something, psychology wouldn't be a thing because we wouldn't need psychology because we could just overcome our negative thoughts or feelings or experiences by just quote unquote getting over it. But it really requires deep and intentional work, especially for the things that have traumatized us. Yeah, and I think that's where EMDR comes in. When someone's experienced a trauma, even though cognitively they know, okay, I'm safe now or I'm worthy, they can know it in their mind, but they don't feel it and their body tells them differently. Or maybe they know, okay, I'm in a safe space, but as they enter a room, they can feel their stomach getting nauseous or their heart rate racing. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And so if you've experienced something, your body will react in certain ways. Even though you can sit all day on our couch and we can process through it and talk about it and cognitively tell you what's truth and what's not. But your body still has a physiological reaction to this. And so there are some times when people say, you know, just get over it, where maybe it's not necessarily a trauma, but those emotions are welling up in you. And it's something that really needs to be processed through for you to, in a sense, file it away in your Rolodex of a mind. Otherwise, it's going to stand out and you can't really file it away. And then every time something happens where you think, see, I am not good enough or see, I am in danger, then it confirms it and it creates those neural pathways and it digs it deeper and deeper. And so even though we would want to just get over it, that would be ideal. That doesn't always happen. And so you really need to be able to process through the trauma. You need to be able to process through your emotions so that your mind and your body can metabolize that memory and, in essence, file it away. The way I also like to think about it is that if you're still struggling with some type of issue that happened maybe years or decades ago, your brain basically is registering it and it's sending out signals almost like the check engine light on your car. It's telling you, it's warning you there's a problem. Something here needs to be addressed and needs to be fixed. And there's some things that I think through the course of our regular everyday life do end up kind of working through and resolving themselves. But then there's some things that just don't and they just kind of hang out and stick around. One of the things that I think people struggle with, as opposed to like a physical disorder or something like that, that you're struggling with, with mental disorders, people don't give themselves as much leeway. So like if you break your arm, you're going to be gentle and careful with that arm. But if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, a lot of times people are hypercritical of themselves when they're struggling with that. Or even outside people don't give them any kind of leeway because they don't see it as any type of real problem. They might even view it as a, hey, you just need to think different and then you'll be fine. And again, going back to what I said earlier, if it were that easy, psychology wouldn't be a thing. Oh, for sure. And with emotions, it is that kind of grin and bear it and push through no matter what. And sometimes that pushing through means you're pushing that memory down or you're not wanting to deal with it in the moment. And the analogy I love to give is like a beach ball. If you blew up a beach ball and tried to push it under the water, then it'll pop up somewhere else. 
you'll do it again. You push it underwater. Maybe you try to like hold it between your knees. Eventually, it'll pop up again. And it's the same thing with your emotions and the things that need to be processed. If you're not careful, that's going to pop up somewhere else where you don't want it to pop up or show up. But the best thing really to do is to get that beach ball and bring it to the surface. And it's much easier to control that way. And so when it comes to emotions and memories that need to be processed through, rather than pushing it down and just trying to forget about it and suppressing it, that's going to show up in a different way that seems like an overreaction to someone. Because maybe you're just having a really bad day. Maybe all your energy is spent trying to keep this down and not think about it, which every time you tell yourself to not think about it, you're thinking about it. Then one day someone's talking to you or someone does something small and there's an overreaction by you because that ball has popped up there at an inappropriate time or in an inappropriate way. And you didn't have that control over the ball or your emotions like you would have if you just brought it to the surface and dealt with it. And I would definitely say if you've been struggling with something and it's been over six months, that the probability that it's just going to resolve itself now at this point is dramatically diminished. So it's not a bad idea to let something play out and see if you're going to recover from it, especially if the symptoms that you're getting are more minor. But if it's lasting longer than six months, I think the takeaway from this is that, hey, I'm going to need a little bit of extra assistance in order to process through and then metabolize this experience. And especially if you don't wait too long to address those issues, the likelihood that you resolve them quickly is much better. But if you wait 30, 40 years, then it can take a lot longer for your body and brain to metabolize that negative experience. So the next idea we want to talk about is happiness is a choice. Now, I don't think it's as easy as a just, I'm going to choose to be happy here. But I do think that happiness is a decision. It's something that you actively choose to do and you have to work towards. But it's not just a, hey, I'm going to choose to be happy. But what it is going to be is it's a choice in that you have to do many different things in order to create happiness. I always like to tell people that happiness is multifaceted. It has to do with how are your finances doing? How is your work-life balance doing? How is your family life doing? How are you engaging in your hobbies? There's many different things that play into whether or not it's easier for you to be happy or not, right? How's your physical health going, right? A good example of this is people who have chronic lower back pain end up oftentimes feeling depressed because they have this uncomfortable physiological response that's constantly reminding them of this discomfort. And so our physical health plays into our emotional health as well. So if we have multiple different facets that are firing off on all cylinders, the probability that you're going to be happy is much greater than if you have many areas where you're struggling in. Oh man, I really hate my job. My finances aren't doing good. Man, home life is a disaster. If all those things are going on, the probability you're going to be happy is very low. And you can actively work and try to choose to think positively in those instances. But the truth is that you're going to have this kind of onslaught of unhappy feelings coming after you, and it's going to be very difficult to manage that. Now, I do think it absolutely can be done, but it's very hard, and the longer you're stuck in a very tough situation, the harder it is to keep that stiff upper lip. And so if you want to maintain happiness, you have to do behaviors and take actions and try to resolve active problems that you're running into. And while positive thinking can be really beneficial at times, Sometimes this advice of happiness as a choice is just oversimplified. And for people who really struggle and suffer from mental health disorders, it seems so simplified and sometimes blaming, like you're not choosing to be happy. And so for them, this advice is more harmful. I think when I'm doing EMDR with somebody 
and you get this right memory and this right experience that you resolve for them. And then all of a sudden it changes their whole world where they've been just struggling, struggling, struggling. All of a sudden the curtains are open and then happiness is just so much easier for them. That's one of the most gratifying things of doing therapy is watching somebody in one moment struggle to find happiness or to view things in a positive way. And then you remove this roadblock and then boom, the curtains are open, they see the sun, and then all of a sudden they just can feel and experience this much deeper level of happiness and joy that they couldn't experience before. And so they put in the work, they took the actions to do the things that they needed to do in order to be able to experience that level of happiness. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not that before you get some level of psychological trauma fixed, it's not that you can't be happy, but again, it just makes it so much more difficult to do that. And then if you can get that resolved and addressed, then all of a sudden it's like, man, I used to have to put in all this really hard work to get there, but now I have to put in much less work, it's much easier, and the work is more enjoyable for me to do to feel that happiness than it was before. The next piece of advice is you don't need therapy, just talk to your friends. Why are you going to pay someone when you can just talk to loved ones? While friends can definitely provide support, and you can find support through your church or through different teammates or coworkers and friends and family, there are times when professional help is needed. Friends and family and loved ones can't replace the professional help of a therapist who can provide kind of an objective, structured guidance. And in really difficult times where you just feel like, I don't know who to ask, or maybe sometimes you just feel like, I don't feel safe enough to open up with anyone, having a therapist can be really helpful. One of the situations that always jumps to my mind when I think about you don't want to talk to your friends and family about this is affair situations. Now, it's not necessarily that you don't want to talk to them and get support from them, but the advice that you will get from friends and family if your partner has cheated on you is is almost exclusively just some of the worst advice you're ever going to get from people. And one of the things that you run into a lot of times is that your friends and family in a situation like this are going to want retribution for you, and they're going to want you to get justice for yourself from the person who had harmed you. But that may not be your goal. Your goal may be reconciliation. And if you get this advice from these friends and family, they're going to tell you things like, once a cheater, always a cheater. You just need to leave them. They're not going to consider all of the difficulty that comes along with that side because they want to see justice happen. And don't get me wrong, I'm a justice-minded person. But if that's not your goal, you don't want to have people pushing you that direction. You want somebody who is not going to get emotionally entangled up in that and then be able to help you sift through and figure out what is it that you want to do. And then, okay, if you want to reconcile, here are some things that you should do in order to work towards to help reconciliation. But the things that people will tell you to do on the other side are oftentimes going to push you very far away from your goals. And affairs is definitely one situation that just stands out to me so much as you have to be very, very careful about who you seek advice from. And I always tell my clients to say, I know this may sound self-serving, because I'm telling you not to talk to anybody else or not to get any advice from anybody else on this situation. But me and you are going to work on your goals, and then I'm going to actively help you get there. But you have to be careful. They're going to be well-intentioned, but they're going to tell you awful things to do that are not going to be helpful at all and are going to be very damaging to your end goals. And I've had a lot of clients who really hesitate to share with their friends and family because they know that I want to stay and I want to work through this but if I share this with the people around me, they're not going to have that same perspective. And I totally agree with you, Tim, where you were talking about that retribution. 
On the other hand, I have clients who just automatically share with everyone around them. They make sure that their spouse hurt them. And so they're going to go and they're going to tell their parents. They're going to tell my parents. They're going to make sure their friends know. And if ever you want to reconcile that marriage, you no longer are just having to do the work to heal and work on your marriage. Now you have friendships and different relationships that also need to be healed because of this idea of second offense. When someone has hurt you, that person becomes offended for you. And even though you've had the opportunity to heal and correct it and make amends with that person, they haven't. And so we've seen people where years after family has held that against them, and even though they're in a good place, it is so strenuous on the marriage to go to family events or be around certain friends because they continuously hold that against the person, even though you've forgiven them and you are doing your best to make this marriage solid. And in particular, I think in an affair type situation, that's one of the situations where as soon as you find out about that, you need to get connected with a therapist right away because it is an emotionally chaotic, taxing, difficult experience. And you want to get that objective advice from somebody who doesn't have any connection to you or the other person, but they're just going to be able to look at the situation and say, hey, if this is your goal, this is what you should do. Also in particular, this is something where you definitely want to make sure that you find a therapist who specializes in affairs, somebody who's done plenty of work with it. And so if you can get a free consultation where you can chat with the person for a little bit, hey, this is what's happening. Would you mind uh, letting me know a little bit about what your approach is, how you would handle this type of situation? And if they answer it and they sound very knowledgeable, then that gives you a good clue. Okay, this is somebody that I can trust to kind of move forward with and to help me navigate through this very difficult experience. And there's plenty of other situations outside of affairs, but that's definitely one that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. That's super important to be careful about who you get advice and help from in this situation. All right, we're going to stop there for today's episode, but we're going to definitely continue this in the next episode. And so just to give a quick review of some of the advice that you may have gotten from people is we talked about just get over it. Happiness is a choice and you don't need therapy. Just talk to friends. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.